0: Welcome, uh, all of you that are over in the venue. I was over there a little bit ago, and man, there's just a great group of you over there. Thanks, Pastor Brandon, for leading that group and singing and all the stuff that that goes on over there. Uh, We're beginning a brand new series here at Big Valley Grace where we're going to look at the first part of the greatest sermon that was ever preached, and it was called the, the Sermon on the Mount. It says this in Matthew chapter five. If you have a Bible, you can open it up there. If you don't have a Bible, we put all the scriptures inside your program or they'll come up on the jumbotrons or they'll even come up on your computer screens at home. Verse one says this, now when he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus is going to use that phrase, blessed are, eight times. Blessed are the poor in spirit, what we're going to look at today. Blessed are those that mourn or grieve, we'll look at that next week. Blessed are the meek, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, and then we'll end the series, Lord willing, with the last one, and that is blessed are those that are persecuted. Eight times Jesus uses the word blessed, okay? And it's the Greek word makarios, which is the word for, for happy. It's the word for happiness. To be blessed is to be happy. So when Jesus says, blessed are... And then he rattles off something. He's basically saying, happy are, blessed are you, happy will you be if you do this and you do that or whatever it is, you see. And this happiness that Jesus talks about is way different than the happiness that the world offers. Now, the world offers some happiness, okay? Long before I ever gave my life to Jesus Christ, I had a lot of great moments in my life. I'm not one of these guys that will stand up here and tell you that, man, before I gave my life to Christ, everything was horrible and a mess, and because it wasn't, no, I had a lot of goofed up times. But there were a lot of happy moments. It's amazing how, um, how sin, when you fulfill all the desires of your flesh, you can have a few moments of happiness. But it was always temporary. It was never fulfilling. It wasn't satisfying. The happiness that Jesus is talking about here is way deeper. In fact, one theologian described it as this, quote, a divinely bestowed well-being that belongs only to the faithful. And I thought that was really great. There's something weighty about that phrase. A divinely bestowed well-being. That's what Jesus is talking about. Hey, you can go have a thrill at the Stanislaus County Fair, you know, and have fun walking around and enjoying some time getting on a thrill ride and, you know, roller coaster or whatever and be with some friends and have a sense of happiness for an hour or two. Jesus is talking about something way deeper, way more more significant. So, So really this series is all about how you can truly be happy in this, in this life, happy in school, happy in your marriage, happy at work, happy with your finances, happy with your, your future, whatever. Now, as we study the scripture, we find that the problem isn't with God, the problem's with us, okay? God wants to bless your life. You were made in his image. He created you when you were in your mama's womb. He cares deeply about you. He wants to bless your life. The problem is, is that we have to get to a place where we are blessable, see. See, see God's not gonna bless sin. If you choose to live in disobedience to God, if you choose to live in a way that's contrary to his word, he's not going to bless a life like that. If you, if you choose to live a you know a prideful life an arrogant life God doesn't bless arrogance God doesn't bless sin and disobedience and rebellion to him The problem is not God the problem is with us We have to make sure that somehow we are living our lives in such a way that we are are blessable and and you know the Beatitudes, these eight things we're going to look at, certainly are, are important. They, they get us as human beings to a place where we're blessable. So let's get into the first one, okay? Blessed are the, the poor in spirit. What, what is exactly, the, you know, what exactly does this phrase mean? Well, Jesus isn't talking about physical poverty here, okay? He doesn't say, blessed are people that have no money and are, are poor. That's not what he's saying. He's not talking about economic poverty, he's not talking about material poverty, he's not talking about physical poverty, he's talking about spiritual poverty. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He's he's talking about maintaining a certain kind of attitude. The, The Good News version says, happy are those who know that they're spiritually poor. Something amazing happens when you get to the point in your life when you recognize that you're, you're spiritually poor, that you're spiritually bankrupt. The New Living Translation says, God blesses those who are poor and they realize their need for him. That's, a, that, that's a, a great moment in the life of a human being when they recognize that they're spiritually bankrupt, that they don't have anything that they bring to God, and they understand their great need for him in their life. Unbelievable moment. Unbelievable joy takes place at that moment. The New Century Version says they are blessed who realize their spiritual poverty for a, a couple of decades of my life, I didn't realize that I was, um, I was poor in spirit. I didn't recognize that, that, that somehow I was in spiritual poverty. Didn't recognize it, didn't know it. Jesus is saying that the person, that a person is truly happy when they understand that apart from God they have no hope. That apart from God, they're just doomed. That apart from God, we're just basically dead men walking or dead women walking. Beloved, when you recognize that your sin has separated you from God, that your sin has left you spiritually bankrupt, that your sin has made you a, a, a walking dead person, when you recognize these things, it's a, it's a good day because the Bible says that if you'll cry out to God and ask for his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy, he promises to invade your life with his presence. And when God invades his, li- his life in, in, into your life, that's when you find true happiness. That's when you find a joy that fills your soul completely. That's when you find that deep inner contentment that everybody longs for. But you never get there until you realize how poor in spirit you are, how bankrupt you are before God. See, the Bible tells us that God made you as a spiritual being. You're not just a, a hunk of you know, flesh. Pascal said God created a God-shaped vacuum in your heart. And when you try to fill that emptiness with anything but God, it's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. didn't work. Now, now for a long time, I tried it. Many of you tried it. Some of you are still trying it. And like I said, I get it. You'll find um, a moment or two or a a week or two or a month or two or a year or two, maybe even a decade of of real happiness. I mean, you got a good job, right? You got a nice home. You got a lot of money in your 401k, man. Come on. And yet I've known a lot of people. In fact, I know a lot of people. I'm always blown away at the people that uh, call me up and want to just hang out and have coffee and just talk with me. Some of these people are very, very, very wealthy, very wealthy. They have ginormous businesses. And no, I would never tell you their names, but what's amazing to me is they don't call because they want some business advice. They call because something's missing in their life. These are people who don't know Christ. They don't understand how poor in spirit they are. And yes, they can travel the world and even have homes in different places in the world. And yet there always comes this moment when that God-shaped vacuum that they've tried to fill with something just at some moment just is gone. It's not there. Augustine said, Thou, O Lord, has made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find themselves in thee. And that's True. And the sooner you figure this out, the easier it's going to be in your life because you'll stop trying to find silly replacements or plastic substitutes for the real thing. The real thing is understanding how just poor you are spiritually and that you're in desperate need of God in your life and his presence in in your life. Now there's a great story in the Bible that gives us a a good picture of someone that really understood the idea of being poor in spirit. Luke chapter 18 says this in verse nine, Jesus told this story to someone who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. In other words, this was a person who really didn't understand how poor in spirit they were. He says, quote, Jesus said, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself, and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everybody else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly like, not like that poor sap over there, you know, that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh God, be merciful to me, for I'm I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you this, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who will exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And as you look at that story, it's a great illustration of a person that understands that they're poor in spirit. And because they they understood this, God poured out his love and his mercy and forgiveness on that man, you see. He got it. He understood that, that before God, he was nothing, nothing. When Jesus came to planet Earth, the second person of the Holy Trinity, when he finally showed up here, the Bible tells us in Philippians that he became nothing wait a minute, I thought he became a a human being. He did. And the Bible describes that as becoming nothing. Boy, doesn't that make your flesh feel good? (laughs) That in God's eyes, you know, we're just nothing. When you get it, when you really understand that when you stand before God, literally you're nothing, that's a good day. It's a good day. You see, what our flesh wants to do is we always want to compare ourselves to somebody else, right? See, it's easy to look at somebody else and go, hey, man, compared to that guy, I'm pretty good. I could put a picture of, you know, Charlie Manson up there, and we'd all go, nailed it! You know, hey! Right? I mean, we're all better than Charlie Manson. <laughs> the problem is Charlie Manson ain't the standard. It's God. And before God, we all stand bankrupt. We're all poor in spirit. We have have nothing to offer God. Nothing. All the great things that you've done in your life, all of the the good things you've done, the businesses you've built, the money you've made, all of that, the Bible says, is nothing but filthy rags to God. It doesn't mean anything to him. You don't come to God and say, God, I got this PhD, you know. Hey, God, I got all this money I made. Hey, God, you know how much money I give to the church? Hey, God, you know how much I serve around here? Hey, God, I've been in all kinds of missions trips. That doesn't impress the Lord, you see. It's when you recognize you've got nothing, when you got nothing. And you just humbly say, God, you're the king and I'm but your subject. I'm just one of your slaves. I got, I got nothing to bring to the table, nothing. Paul said this in Romans chapter 12. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. And here's the warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. That's a pretty good warning. Because <laughs> we as human beings, man, we like to think a lot of ourselves, don't we? Our flesh likes that. The world teaches that you're good, you're good. Some of you are just better than others and that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says we're all wicked. Some are just more wicked than others. We're all sinful, all of us. And we all need to be very, very careful about just what we think about ourselves. Very careful about that. Being poor in spirit is all about having the right perspective of who you are in comparison to who who God is. A good verse that might help clarify this is Psalms 146. It says this, Blessed is he whose help is the Lord God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. One version puts it like this, and I really like this. The Lord God blesses everyone who trusts him and depends on him. And I want you to look at those two words, trust and depends. This is the first condition of God's you know, blessing on your life. You, you gotta trust Him. You gotta depend on Him. And the only way you'll ever really put your trust in God and really depend on God is when you realize what your true condition is before God, that you're spiritually bankrupt. And apart from God and His presence in your life, you're, you're nothing. You see, the reason why some of you, even as believers, really don't put your trust in him and really don't depend on him is because you think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. You really don't understand just how bankrupt you are. To be poor in spirit means you you humbly put your trust in God and depend on him instead of yourself. That's what it means. To be poor in spirit means you humbly depend on God for everything instead of yourself because you understand how inadequate you are to handle all the problems that, that will come into your life or your marriage or your business or whatever it might be. So if you want God to bless your marriage or you want God to bless your relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or you want God to bless your business or your career or your finances or whatever, you really have to get yourself in a place where you trust him and you depend on him. Here's the deal, um, when a, a couple comes into my office for marital counseling, I mean, when you get to that point and, and you're coming in to see me or Bobby or John or one of the other pastors of our church or one of our counselors, when your marriage gets to that point, it, it's usually pretty bad. I mean, every marriage goes through rough times and stuff. And you don't run out and see a counselor. You don't go see your pastor, or your priest or whatever. But when it gets to that point, and I've got a couple sitting in front of me, let me just tell you what I know one of them at least has forgotten that they're poor in spirit. Maybe both. Because if I have two people sitting in front of me who understand what it means to be poor in spirit, they're they're trusting God, they're depending upon God, well, here's the deal. Those people aren't sitting in front of me. When you have a Uh, a, a trust in god and you put your dependence upon him let me tell you something you're not sitting in my office you're not sitting in bobby's office you're not sitting in rick thompson's office you're not sitting in scott miller's office you're not going into the altar room asking for prayer for your marriage one or both of you has forgotten just how poor in spirit you are and you're no longer really trusting in the lord uh, you know, I've been here 30 years, and you know, America's still a free country, which means you get to choose who you date and who you marry. No one puts a gun to your head, and, but I'm always amazed at some of the people some of you choose to date. I'm serious. I just go, man, the, the, the dude's a loser. No, really. The, the, the gal's just a, a toad, really? Out of all the people on the planet, that's the person you chose? Someone who doesn't know the Lord? Somebody who, 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 who really doesn't believe in God? And that's the person you chose. What that tells me is, is that you've forgotten how poor in spirit you are and you're no longer trusting in God and depending upon Him. See? So the question becomes, how do you do that? How how do you actually trust and depend on God on a daily basis, all right, Uh, on a moment-by-moment basis? Well, here's what I'm gonna do. Here's the practical piece. I'm gonna give you three things. Super practical ways from God's word that you can keep yourself in a place of humility before God where you're trusting and depending upon him instead of yourself. In other words, this is how you you make yourself blessable, if you will, okay? Number one. A person that is poor in spirit will trust and depend on God's wisdom, not their own. They're going to trust and depend on God's wisdom, not their own. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 14, one of my favorite verses. I share it a lot in here. There is a path before each person that seems right, it seems logical. I mean, the, the culture's bought into it. Hollywood's bought into it. I don't know, Oprah's bought into it. It seems right. But it ends in death. Proverbs is, is right. There, there are things or ways that seem right to us as human beings. There are ways that seem right to us as Americans. There are ways that seems right to us as a, a culture. But though they seem right, they're actually terribly, terribly wrong. And the reason they're terribly, terribly wrong is because They're not God's ways. You see, if something is not God's way, if something is not God's wisdom, then it's terribly, terribly wrong. Uh, When Jesus was being uh, tempted in the wilderness, he hadn't eaten in 40 days. He meets up with the enemy, and the enemy tempts him by saying, hey, listen, why don't you turn those rocks into bread? You're hungry. You need to eat seems right what's wrong with that i mean jesus turned water into wine why can't he take a rock and turn it into some bread he's hungry seems right seems logical makes some sense right why was that a temptation why was that evil why was that wicked beloved here's why that was so evil The Bible says that Jesus only did the things that the Father wanted him to do. He only did what God wanted him to do. He only followed the advice or the wisdom that the Father wanted him to to do. And the Father didn't tell him to turn the bread or the rocks into bread. And because the Father didn't tell him to turn the rocks into bread, it was evil. It didn't matter how right it seemed or how logical it seemed, what mattered is, that's not what the Father wants me to do, and so I'm not gonna do it. That's why that's so evil. Listen to me, just listen. Somebody who is poor in spirit, they are gonna put their trust in what God says, they're gonna depend on this, even though it may not make sense at times, even though you, you may be hated at times, even though you may stop being invited to all the right parties, there may be people who don't like you. Persecution may come because you choose to follow what God says, not what your heart feels, not what your emotions think, not what your buddies think, not what your parents think. But you understand how bankrupt you are spiritually and you have this unbelievable need for God's wisdom in your life, you see? That makes sense. Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. Those that understand that they're poor in spirit, they they listen to the voice of Jesus. They're, They're listening. Jesus said, I know them. I know those that are poor in spirit and who listen to me. I I, I know who they are. And those people, they follow me. They trust and depend on me. They trust and depend on my word. And here's what happens. I give them eternal life. And they'll never perish. In other words, the kingdom of God is theirs. The wisest person that ever lived, Solomon, said this in Proverbs chapter 3. He said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own PhD or your own college degree. Don't, don't lean on your own understanding. In other words, don't depend on your wisdom. Don't depend on what you think is right to do. Don't depend on your hunches or your feelings. The, the, those will often lead you astray. Don't depend on your own understanding. But, but, the, but, but Solomon goes on and says, seek his will in all you do. Seek his will. Seek his wisdom in all you do. And he'll show you which path to take. Seek God's wisdom in how you spend your time. Seek God's wisdom in how you spend your money. Seek God's wisdom in who you choose to date. Seek God's wisdom in who you choose to hire. Seek God's wisdom in everything you do. The person that is poor in spirit will trust and depend on God's wisdom for everything in their life, not the friend's wisdom or Hollywood's wisdom or the culture's wisdom or whatever. They trust and they depend on God's wisdom. And how exactly do you get God's wisdom? Well, you get it primarily two ways. And the, the first one is you pray, you talk with God. And number two, you read the Bible, you let God talk to you. That's how you get God's wisdom. You pray and you read your Bible, you study your Bible, you meditate on your Bible, you memorize it and all that kind of stuff. The scripture says this in James chapter one, if you need wisdom, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He'll give it to you. Beloved, God doesn't want his people to be stupid. God doesn't want his you know people to make dumb mistakes. It's a horrible testimony to the world when you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, just keep bumbling through life, you know, making one mistake after another mistake after another mistake. Who would wanna follow your God? Who would wanna have anything to do with the God that you follow when all you do is just kinda bumble through life, you know, making a mistake here, making a mistake there? God doesn't want his people stupid. God doesn't want his people making mistakes. He actually wants you to succeed in life. He wants you to be wise. He wants you to make smart decisions with your time and with your money and with your relationships and all that kind of stuff. And he says, hey, look, family, if you need wisdom, just ask. Ask. Now, most of the time where you find the wisdom is God's going to point you right back here. That's why it's important to know this. That's why, why it's important to come to church and learn about the Bible. It's why important to come to men's ministries, women's ministries, uh, youth ministries, college ministries. That's uh, why it's important to get involved in all those things because the more you know about this, that, that's where the wisdom is. You see, let me tell you something. <laughs> this week, I decided to do a little experiment in my own life. I, I thought, you know, okay, here's the deal. I'm actually gonna keep track of every time, I just pause and stop and ask for God's wisdom. Okay. And after about three days, I, I would get to about thirty or forty times, and I just I would just you know forget I ain't gonna track anymore. Every day. Every day. When I get here to the office, oh God, give me wisdom. I'm going to deal with things that, that I, don't, I don't know what's going to come. I don't know what's going to walk in through the door. I don't know, but you do, God. You know exactly what's already going to happen today. You've already been there. You get it. I don't. Oh, God, I need your wisdom. Uh, somebody comes into my office as they're walking in or as the secretary is bringing them in. Oh, God, I have no clue what this person's going to say. I don't really know. Oh, God, I need your wisdom. Please, God, give me some wisdom. Uh, every time we have a meeting, Bobby's here, John's here somewhere, John is there, we, we, we meet all the time together. We have a, a standing meeting on, on Mondays, and we always begin with prayer. God, you know, we're just acknowledging your presence here with us. You live in our hearts. You're here. We need your wisdom. Every meeting that we have, every single one, if you've ever been into my office we always hey, good to see you, blah, blah, blah. and I'm going to pray. I'm just going to take a moment, remind us who's there, God's there, and the most important voice in that room is going to be God's voice. God's voice, God's wisdom, you see. So a good question to ask yourself is how many times throughout the day do you really follow what the Word of God says? Where, hey, if you need wisdom, God says ask. How many times a day do you do that? And if you go, you know, I, 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 really, I really don't ever do it. Then that tells you something. You don't really realize how bankrupt you are spiritually. You think pretty highly of yourself. You, you're trusting in whatever wisdom that you have. I mean, you went to the finest school, right? I don't, I don't need to ask God for wisdom. Man, pastor, you obviously don't know me
1: i i i i'm i'm golden man i don't i
0: don't need it we need god 's wisdom, and somebody that's poor in spirit will depend on god's wisdom because they understand that there are ways that could seem right to a man they can seem right to a woman they can seem right to a student they can seem right to a an employer ah, it can seem right to a business owner it seems right well I'm gonna do this. Instead of going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to pray, I need to to get into the word and just see. Um, Luke chapter 11 records this unbelievable moment when a lady kind of yells out in a crowd and it says this in verse 27. As Jesus was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, Jesus, the womb from whom you came and the breast that nursed you. And there's no doubt about it, Mary. I mean, what what an unbelievable blessing, right? I mean, you you got to carry around the Son of God. Son of God came out of your womb. The Son of God fed at your breast. I mean, that, that is an unbelievable blessing. But Jesus replied, but even more blessed are those that hear the word of God who hear God's wisdom and they actually put it into practice. They actually live it out. I mean, as cool as it would be, it would have been to have been the one who actually had the Son of God, that's pretty cool, I guess, you know? It's even greater, there's a greater blessing when you search out God's wisdom and you live it out. Even though, you, you know, people may not like you, you may not be invited to all the right parties, you may even lose your job because you're choosing to live this out. might happen. Uh, n- n- number two, a person that is poor in spirit will trust and depend on God's strength and not their own. Yes, you gotta, you gotta trust in God's wisdom, but you also have to trust in God's strength. Psalms 84 says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. If you really want God's blessing on your life, you have to do what God wants you to do. You have to do God's will with God's strength. And a person that is poor in spirit understands this. Psalm 71 says, I will go in the strength of our Lord God. One version says, I walk in the strength of the Lord. This is the attitude of someone that's poor in spirit. They trust and they depend on God's strength. Here's the deal. And I'm gonna start flying through this a little bit. I don't care who you are. We all have those days when, when we get up in the morning, or, or maybe I do. Let's just I'll just use me. There are some days when I get up, my alarm's going off, eh, 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 and I hit the snooze. Yeah, I eh, 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 hit the snooze, and I'll, I'll, I'll hit it. I know how many times I can hit it before I'm I'm in danger. You know what I'm talking about? You know, y'all you know, right? And so so I hit it, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, I just. Uh, I don't want to go to work today. But I got to preach. It's Sunday. I got to go. <laughs> you know, I mean, I got, got, I got to show up, I guess, you know. Nobody else is going to be there. I better, I'm going to have Rob Beneman with a message. I always want you with a message ready, just in case I just don't make it. <laughs> and you know, I, I just get up and I go, God, I, I don't want to do this today. I don't want to do it. Maybe I tossed and turned all night. I couldn't sleep. I don't know. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to face a day. Could be you don't want to face all the dishes and the laundry, you just, I don't want to do it. And that's when you have to say, God, I'm gonna walk in your strength today because I don't have any, I don't have any. I don't want to do this. Then when you actually get to school or you get to work or whatever, there comes that moment when you run out of energy, you, you have some sort of conflict with someone and you just want to give up, right? That happens. And at that moment, you have to say, God, I'm going to walk in your strength. That's what I'm going to do. I, 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 I'm just going to walk in your strength. Like that, that guy's been bugging me all day. My, the, the, the person in the cubicle next to me is just bugging me and, and bothering me, and I don't like, I just, but I'm going to walk in your strength, God. Then later on in the afternoon when you get that phone call and it's bad bad news and you're frustrated and you're scared and it creates anxiety and stress in your life, it's at that moment you've got to say, God, I'm going to walk in your strength. Then late in the day when you're home and you're running out of energy to get it all done, you say, God, I'm going to walk in your strength. Hey, there comes those times when you've gone to work and you've gutted it out and you've Pull up in your driveway and inside is your your spouse is waiting for you, right? And your kids are in there. And you're out of juice. You're done. But the person that you said I do to sitting right inside that, the, the, the the garage door opening, you know? Your kids are there and you're out of you're out of gas. That's when you say God. I'm gonna walk in your strength. I'm walking with you, God. Then when you finally go to bed at night and you put your head on your pillow and all the things that you didn't get done, all the worries and the fears and the loneliness and all the stuff that's piled up in your brain, you know when those moments happen? You just say, God, I'm gonna walk in your strength. The great prophet Isaiah said this, he, that's God, gives power the weak and strength to the powerless Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord, those who depend on him and his strength, they will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Beloved, your strength is limited. God's strength is unlimited. Your strength is finite. God's strength is infinite. Your strength is exhaustible. That's why you get exhausted. But God's strength is inexhaustible. God never runs out of energy. God never gets tired. And a person that is poor in spirit understands this. And so they put their trust in his power. They depend on his power. Now what about those of you that are older? You see, when you get older, you you face a whole other set of problems and aches and pains and things. They just come along with age. I went and saw my doctor. Not long ago, you know, or maybe it was a while ago, I don't remember. And I'm in there, and it was over something lame or stupid, and I'm about ready to leave. And he says, hey, Rick, I need you to sit down for a second. We need to have the talk. And I'm thinking, I had the talk, man. I got three kids, man. I get it. I, I, I don't, what, what talk are you talking about, man? And he said, sit down. And so I sat down, and he began to unpack what was going to happen now that I was older. And I'm thinking, dude, what are you talking about? Older like what and he starts rattling off some things dude it's happening to me you won't be able to sleep as well yeah that's me and then he starts, you know all this And i'm going dude i'm that old guy i'm him i became the guy that i used to mock got the hair coming out my ears and the nose and the thing and taking anti-inflammatories when I don't even do anything. It's just, (laughs) I wake up in the morning, it's like, oh man, I don't know what happened last night. I must have moved, I must have moved. My joints are all swollen, unbelievable. Hey, let me be a little bit serious here. For, For some of you, you know what? Your memory's not as good as it used to be, getting older. For some of you, maybe a little Alzheimer's is kicking in. Maybe a little dementia is happening. What happens at a moment like that? I want you to know, God has some wisdom for you. He says this in Psalm 73. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. You see, that's a, that's a piece of God's wisdom that you hang on to as you get older and the body starts to ache and you forget things, and you can't do the things you used to do. Remember, he's still your strength. It was God's power that split the Red Sea not Moses's. It was God's power that had the walls of Jericho, you know, tumble down not Joshua's. It was God's power that killed 500 false prophets on Mount Carmel not Elijah's. It was God's power that kept the mouth of the lion shut not Daniel's. It was God's power that kept the fire from killing not Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's. It was God's power that brought down the walls of the palace not Samson's. It was God's power that created the heavens and the earth. It was God's power that created you when you were inside your mother's womb. It was God's power that kept you alive even though you were an unbeliever. It was God's power that opened your eyes to the truth of the gospel. It was God's power that set you free from the penalty of your sin. Beloved, all this to say that God blesses a person that understands this, a person who trusts and depends on his power. Paul said, no good dwells in our flesh. No good. This thing here is just houses, you know, the, the spirit within us. This is just an earth suit. It just connects us to the physical. This doesn't get to go to heaven. It's just going to die and be in a box, a pine box, and put six feet under the grave, man. There's nothing good in this. It's the headquarters of Sin. We need to really trust in God's power. And and number three, a person that is poor in spirit will trust and depend on God's protection, not their own. Psalms chapter two said, blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Yes, we need to trust and depend on God's wisdom. We need to trust and depend on God's power and strength, but we need to also trust in his protection Jesus told us that when you make the choice to follow him, it won't be easy. Luke chapter 21 says, Jesus said this, and everyone will hate you because you're one of my followers. Now, I want you to know something. For most of the history of the United States of America, that verse didn't make a whole lot of sense. Because we as Americans, if you were a follower of Christ, you were respected, it was, it was a good thing. There's a reason why there are all those great biblical passages chiseled into all those buildings in Washington, D.C. There was a time in our nation's history when being a believer, you know, was, was acceptable. You didn't have to worry about it. And so a verse like that, it was like, well, you know what, that might be true over in some other part of the world, but it isn't true here. Well, things have changed, haven't they? and they've changed in a hurry. If you are somebody who understands that you're poor in spirit, and you're trusting and depending upon God's wisdom, you're trusting and depending upon God's strength to carry out God's wisdom, let me just tell you something, buckle your seatbelt, because it's not easy to be a follower of Jesus today Unbelievable, the things that are said about us. Just the, 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 just the, the, the crummy, crummy things that are, are, are said about followers of Jesus today. The world is, is, is not very tolerant of God's wisdom. The world is tolerant of just about anything else. You you can do about anything you want to do with your life, your body, and we'll celebrate it in this country. But if you choose to follow God's wisdom, uh, that is not tolerated. someone that's poor in spirit realizes they need God's protection. We we need it as believers. This church needs it. The other great churches in our town that preach Jesus and Jesus crucified and Jesus buried and Jesus, you know, risen and Jesus coming again, you know what? We need God's protection. In fact, This weekend as we gathered in the altar last night and this morning, a bunch of people always gather, lots of people, and we pray. And one of the things we prayed for was we prayed God's protection upon what's happening here, your lives, protection in God's other great churches in our town, that God would protect them. King David was without a doubt a a great lover of God. He loved the Lord deeply and God loved Him deeply, but he also had a lot of people that hated him. He had a lot of people that were out to kill him. He had a lot of people that were always trying to attack him. And he he says this in Psalms chapter 62. He said, I depend on God alone. I put my hope in him, he alone protects and saves me. He is my defender and I shall never be defeated. My salvation and honor depend on God. He is my my strong protector, he's my shelter. Trust in God at all times my people. Tell him all your troubles for he is our refuge. Let me tell you something, when God sees a person like that, when God sees a person that, that, that is putting their trust and dependence on him for their protection, he blesses a person like that. He blesses a man like that. He blesses a woman like that. That's the kind of person he blesses. Um... um You know, I can be at Rayleigh's minding my own business, you know. I can be at Lowe's, you know, looking at something, because I don't know how to do anything with the tools, but I like looking at them. You know, (laughs) that's that's cool. I don't know what it does, but that's cool. Um, (laughs) I can be enjoying coffee at my favorite little coffee place, you know. And there are people out there who will come up and say some of the, the crummiest things to me, just crummy, <laughs> hateful things. I mean, just really crummy things. I don't even know who they are. They don't even know who I am. Maybe they've been here once, maybe they're watching online, I don't know. I was uh, at uh, you know, Barnes and Noble one day, just enjoying my day there, reading a little magazine. I wasn't bugging anybody. All these tables were around, you know. And this kid, I don't know, college age kid comes over and just really loud, so everybody could hear it. You're, you're a bigot. What you preach is bigoted and hateful. And it was like, dude, I, I don't even know you, man. You, 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 don't, you don't know me. You now, you know, I'm all embarrassed and people heard it all. I want you to look at what Jesus said in, 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 in 1 Peter chapter two, what Peter said about Jesus. It says, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he just entrusted himself to him who judges justly. In other words, you know what? He he simply was going to put his trust and dependence upon the Father to watch over him, protect him, be his refuge. Here's the problem today on on the internet anybody can say anything about you that they want and it literally goes around the, the globe doesn't it in literally a heartbeat and it's searchable and it's permanent it never comes off so somebody can say something bad about you they can insult you they can lie about you they can tell a half truth about you and it's on the internet forever it's not coming off 10 years from today, somebody can Google your name and find that insult or that lie or that half-truth or whatever, and it wasn't true 10 years ago, and it still isn't true when they're looking at it 10 years from from, from now. But there's gonna be all kinds of people out there that believe it. There are all kinds of people around in those tables at uh, Barnes & Noble who, uh, my flesh was going, oh man, I wonder if they believe this. Is this guy's going into this tirade? Now, my flesh wanted to go old school. You know, just, you know, you talking to me? Hey, hey, look, I may have hair coming out of my ears and I may have hair coming out of my nose, but I still got one good fight left in me, dude. Let's go outdoors, you know, kind of thing. And I want you to know something I'd have taken him skinny little runny guy, little long hair i don 't know, but I regress. Let me get back to where I was. Uh, I, I was thinking about all the people around me, and I, at first, I, I just wanted to get up and. You know, go to every table and go, hey, hey, listen, I know you probably just heard that, and it's not true. I'm not, a, I'm not a bigot. I'm not a hater. And then run over to this table, and if somebody was running out the door, hey, wait a minute. You know, hey, hey, wait a minute. I, I just want you, I'm, my name is Rick, and I, I really do like people, man. You know, I, don't, I, I, I felt like doing that. I felt like I, I had to try to make it all, all better. But I remembered this passage. And as I sat there, and you know, frankly, I was a little bit embarrassed thinking what everybody thought about me. I just had to go, you know what? I'm gonna leave this in the Lord's hands. And these people are free to think whatever they wanna think about me. But those that know me, know that none of what that guy was saying would have been true. And uh, Lord, you protect me. You protect my reputation. You protect, you just protect me. I'm gonna take refuge in you, God. I'm going to trust and depend that somehow you'll you'll just protect me, God. You see, because here's the deal. When something like that happens, you basically got two choices. One, you do what Jesus did. Or number two, you run around and try to fix it all. And Get back online and text this person and argue with that person and I wouldn't say that and I didn't really do that. Somebody misunderstood. You can do that and you'll just burn all kinds of juice and all kinds of energy and you won't have any time to do anything else. Listen to me. If you truly live a blessable life where you're, 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 you're simply trusting and depending on God's wisdom for your life. And you choose to humble yourself and trust in God's power to fulfill God's wisdom in your life. Let me tell you something, buckle your seatbelt. There are going to be people out there who, who attack you. And that's why we all have to realize what Jesus said is true. You, you're going to be hated because of God's wisdom. You're going to be hated. And so we here, especially now in America, really have to start to begin to learn how to really trust in God's, in God's protection and, and maybe just leave some of the other stuff to, to the Lord. So anyway, everybody stand up. Over in the venue, stand up. And... Let's end by saying these three things out loud uh, together. Okay, number one, we're gonna say them out loud together. Number one, a person who's poor in spirit trusts and depends on God's wisdom, not their own. Number two, a person who is poor in spirit trusts and depends on God's power, not their own. And number three, a person who is poor in spirit Trust and depends on God's protection, not their own. Now here's the deal. Here's what Jesus said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. There is, <laughs> nothing will make you more happy than when you understand how spiritually bankrupt you are and you live humbly before the Lord. You trust, on, trust in him because God's kingdom is yours. God's kingdom is yours. The kingdom of God is yours. When you you really get that, and you truly have surrendered your life over to God's wisdom and God's power and God's protection, all the man, That's what brings real, real lasting joy. Father, thanks for this weekend. I've I've enjoyed it, Lord. I've enjoyed all the fellowship of last night and this morning, today. God, thank you for the music. I've really dug it, God. Continue to do a miracle at Hume Lake. And somehow, Lord, as we kind of go about our lives this week, may this message rattle around in all of our brains. And God, if I have said something that you didn't want me to say, if I I misrepresented you in your word, God, would you somehow strike it from the memories of of these folks, Lord? And may they just hang on to, to the truth, to those things that you wanted me to share God, you're you're just beautiful. Thanks God for your goodness to us. And I pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Hey, live for Jesus, okay?